0: Welcome to Can, Can We Talk, talk About, about this? this? I'm your host, Amber Lee, from The Power of Birth. And I'm your producer, Rajelle from Bee Designs. And together we created this podcast to talk about women's health and the things that really matter. We have a real passion and focus on women's health and wellness and overall emphasize the importance of talking about maternal health. We chat to experts and continue sharing your stories. We're here to start the conversation, raise awareness, spread the word, call out gaps in the system and implicit biases. And we hope you learn something or even if you're just screaming yes, the entire podcast. This is not a place for small talk. We're about real talk. And when we know better, we do better. And we challenge you to start this conversation elsewhere. One thing that seems to bother me quite a bit is that at your six-week postpartum checkup with your GP or midwife or child health nurse or whatever practitioner you're seeing, after having checked over the baby, your checkup basically consists of, you know, how are you going? How are you feeling? Are you on contraception? and. That's pretty much about it. So while there's already so much missing in that appointment, something that is never ever really mentioned, even amongst mums themselves, is postnatal depletion. Not only do we not realize exactly how much of an impact this has on our recovery and well-being, it's not even brought to our attention and it's not even in our conversations. We as mums are often so busy taking care of everyone else all the time, sometimes we tend to neglect ourselves in the process, especially in those first couple of months, and even more so if we're doing it on our own. It can be hard to slow down and recognize the signals our bodies are sending us. So today we chat to Lucy Fitzgibbon, a women's health naturopath about postnatal depletion. Lucy has additional training in perinatal health, but offers a wide range of focus areas such as digestive health, hormonal health, fertility, mental health, and so much more. What I particularly love about Lucy, though, was her holistic approach to health. I find this rare in some physicians. I asked Lucy to come on today because we have so much focus and emphasis on our external body, what we look like from the outside. There's very little regard for our internal health and well-being, and this twisted mentality and messages are hurting us. So Lucy, can we talk about this? Absolutely. <laughs> so I'm coming from the perspective of a naturopath. I think with post depletion, we have a lot to thank Dr. Oscar seralak for because he really did kind of put this title in mainstream perinatal health. But I wanted to chat to you as a naturopath. Firstly, for those who are unsure, what a naturopath does in terms of support and treatment and why would a person go and see a naturopath?
1: So firstly, a naturopath is someone who is a very holistic practitioner. So we are trained to look at the body as a whole. We don't have that reductionistic approach where you know you have a problem and we give you a Band-Aid or a pill or something to suppress it or cover it up. So that's probably the main difference. And I would give an example in that in saying is if I had a patient come to see me, for example, heavy period, I ask so many questions about digestive health and diet and liver function and stress levels. And that's because we know that your hormones are influenced by the gut And if you're constipated, you're going to have high levels of estrogen and that's going to contribute to heavy periods. So it's about looking at the body holistically and looking at factors that are going to be contributing to that symptom. And also acknowledging as well that no one ever comes with just one problem. You know, no one ever just comes with heavy periods. They're going to come with period pain, anxiety, sleep issues, constipation. You know, we, we are such complex beings and there's often not just one problem going on. And so then naturopaths will treat the root cause. So if you have heavy periods, but it's caused by gut issues, we will treat the gut. And that's very different from going to seeing from going uh, and seeing a GP, for example, and being prescribed the pill, which is not treating the root cause. So naturopaths are trained in nutrition, food therapy, herbal medicine, uh, lifestyle, and we also can run testing as well. So blood testing, hormone
0: testing, et cetera. I'm very much a fan of functional medicine mm. and taking this individual holistic approach I find is crucial, like you were saying, looking at this person as a whole being and not just, oh, you've got one symptom, let's try and treat that. It's really, okay, what's what's the underlying issue here? And that's really missing, I think. I can't speak for everybody, but I think it is missing generally across the board in mainstream medicine for sure. So, then do all naturopaths specialize in the same thing or do you you all have the same training or are there additional things or specialties, I guess, like, like perinatal health, for example, that do all naturopaths treat this or know this or is this very specific to the person?
1: Well, we all have very broad training because we need to know about every organ system in the body. So to say that you're a women's health specialist but then not have training in gut health, How are you ever going to treat the root cause? So yes, all naturopaths are trained holistically. And I think the difference when you're wanting to choose a naturopath, you're wanting to pick someone who is passionate about the area that you have concern in, and they will most likely have extra training uh, in that area as well. So for example, for me, I specialize mostly in women's health and fertility and postpartum care. And that kind of grown from my passion. And then I have gone to do further education and mentoring and research in those areas. Yes, we're all trained to a certain extent in in quite broadly, but then to find someone who has a passion for the area that you have concern in is just makes your experience and your healthcare a little bit that more special, I guess. Yeah.
0: I hear often as well through just family and friends, you know, they they had this problem or this issue. And they had various testings. They saw this specialist and that specialist. They spent hundreds and hundreds of dollars to get turn around and get the answer. Oh, there's nothing wrong with you. We can't find anything wrong. And then they turned to naturopathy and instantly things change because the naturopath was looking at it, treating it differently. Uh, Mm -hmm. I find that really interesting and I hear that more often than not. Okay, so (laughs) something that you talked about was that you specialize in women's health and perinatal health, something Mm -hmm. that drew me to you as a practitioner. Mm -hmm. So according to your expertise then, let's get on to postnatal depletion. What is postnatal depletion? So postnatal depletion
1: is a relatively new term and it's characterized by A combination of symptoms that is present in post the postpartum period and postnatal depletion. I think it's important to note that it's different to postnatal depression, which is very much a clinical condition. Postnatal depletion is more an array of symptoms, uh, including mental health changes, fatigue, digestive disturbances. Um, anxiety, feelings of overwhelm, sort of that it can manifest differently in in everyone. And it's caused by nutrient insufficiency. So this is where your nutrient levels are suboptimal. So when your cells and organs are not able to run efficiently or properly, which in turn can make you feel terrible. So yeah, that's kind of uh, postnatal depletion
0: in a nutshell, I guess. And so, would every pregnant or postpartum woman experience some kind of postnatal depletion?
1: I believe so. I think it's very hard to come out of uh, pregnancy and birth and feeding without a certain array or a certain degree of depletion. And it's more sort of a spectrum from mild to moderate to severe. Um, and it depends on how your health was in the preconception phase. And how you experienced your pregnancy, how much blood you lost during birth, if you do breastfeed, if you don't, how much support you have. There's different factors that contribute, I guess, to the level of severity that you will experience it.
0: And so my personal readings just about postnatal depletion, which was only from Dr. Oscar Saralak's book, The Postnatal Depletion (laughs) Cure, which obviously is amazing um, and I'm so happy, yeah, I'm so happy somebody, particularly a male, has taken an interest in this. What I understand was that there was macronutrient elements and micronutrient elements. Can you maybe talk to us about that and give us some examples and what they do for our bodies?
1: So when we're looking at postnatal depletion, I mostly look at it from a micronutrient point of view. So your macros are your big main nutrients, so things like protein, fats. And carbohydrates. And they are so essential. You know, they give us energy, they help to stabilize our hormones, keep our blood sugar levels balanced. We need protein to help us build new cells and repair our tissue. And then our micronutrients are our vitamins and our minerals. So these are things like calcium, magnesium, zinc, iron, iodine, copper, manganese, selenium, chromium, choline your B vitamins, folate, vitamin D, vitamin A. So there's a a massive amount of them. And when we're looking at macros versus micros, it's your macronutrients, so your food and how it is then made up of your micronutrients. So I'll give an example. A banana is a source of carbohydrates, yes, but it also contains vitamin C, potassium, zinc, Whereas a piece of white bread is a source of carbohydrates, but it's very nutrient void. It doesn't really contain much vitamin C, zinc, potassium, etc. So when we're looking at eating a beautiful diet rich in vitamins and minerals, you want to have your macros, so your protein, fats and carbs that are rich in micronutrients. So picking things that do contain high, con-
0: high mineral and vitamin content. Okay, so can we only get that from food? Are supplements always necessary?
1: No, but I think in the modern world, they help a lot, particularly when we're getting our food from very depleted soils. So our nutrients are present in our food because of our soil and our soil being rich in nutrients. Mm. And these days we're growing food that is in quite depleted soil, meaning that it doesn't have a lot of nutrient content. So the food that we grow in that soil doesn't contain high levels of Of minerals, so it takes a lot of work to try and get sufficient nutrient intake just from food alone. I do believe it's possible, but it does take quite an effort, and particularly, you know, growing your own food or making sure you're eating organic is going to definitely contribute to having higher levels of vitamin and
0: mineral content in your food. And I think going back to food, uh, when you've got a fresh new baby and you feel like you're stuck on the lounge feeding or trying to get some sleep or trying to vacuum your floors or something, food probably comes last in the sense where you're quickly shoving a sandwich in your mouth before the next feed or something. So yeah, I, I see what you're saying there about augmentation for those things. And I mean, I did it and I'm glad I did. <laughs>
1: And I think as well, if you're already in that insufficient or the deficiency state, to try and boost your levels up with food alone takes a really, really, really long time. So if your iron levels are already quite deficient, to try and build them up just with food alone is going to take a heck of a long time, which if you're feeling like total shit, is not ideal. You sometimes do need to use supplements to help replace um, will help build up your nutrient stores. And I think another good example is vitamin D. If you're vitamin D deficient, trying to build up massive amounts of vitamin D in your body and repair and replenish your vitamin D levels can take a while. And that's where supplements can really come in handy as we're able to boost your levels up quite quickly and make you feel much better.
0: It's very interesting how this all plays a role, food or not, I think, So then going back, you sort of touched on it before with feeling like crap. What are the signs and symptoms then of depletion? Because, and I also thought maybe in terms of that, do you believe that depletion can also be caused by sociocultural factors? So the fact that women are really mothering alone these days and we are expected to do it all on our own. And there is that lack of support element as well. Um, So in terms of signs and symptoms, tell us about that. But then how also do you think cultural factors play a role?
1: So I guess the key symptoms of postnatal depletion would be digestive issues. So experiencing changes to, for example, bloating, abdominal pain or discomfort, constipation, diarrhea, fatigue so that really low energy levels waking up feeling completely exhausted and we've got our emotional and mental factors or changes as well so irritability anxiety low moods fluctuating moods feeling overwhelmed poor sleep quality so even though you're super tired you seem to not be able to get a deep restful sleep so sleeping lightly or um even taking a long time to get to sleep at night and we look at things like skin quality as well so having dry skin or loss of elasticity to the skin thinning hair as well bruising easily low libido and then also that baby brain or that constant sort of brain fog where it's really hard to concentrate and focus and poor memory so those are sort of the key symptoms that I look for. And it's
0: sort of the classic new mum. I was just about to say, well, doesn't every new mum lose the hair that they gained in pregnancy? Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> exactly.
1: And we see it all so commonly. So I think these symptoms almost become a bit normal now or normalised. But the problem is that it doesn't just last for a few months. We're seeing postnatal depletion symptoms last for years and years, you know, it can take up to, I think, you know, five to eight years to build back all of those nutrient levels that make you feel good again. So that's where, again, supplements can be really great is because we can speed up that process and make you heal a lot quicker. And then I guess answering the second part of your question with the contributing factors, this is an area that I really love and it's preconception health and you can do so much in the preconception phase. To avoid postnatal depletion. Because I suppose if you're going into a pregnancy already on the back foot or already with nutrient deficiencies present, you're going to be trying to play catch up the whole entire pregnancy. And then you're also going to be trying to play catch up again in the postnatal phase or postpartum phase. So you're starting off with already really low resources and then they're getting further depleted as you go throughout your pregnancy. So preconception, starting off with deficiencies in the first place, and this goes as well into having babies really close together. So not having a gap in between your children. Uh, You don't have that time to build back your resources. So oftentimes the preconception phase, you're depleted and then you fall pregnant and it's kind of like this constant depletion where you can never really catch up So that's number one, is going into pregnancy already nutrient deplete. Going into a pregnancy with existing health issues as well. So if you already have gut problems prior to conceiving, they're going to be amplified when you come out the other side. We look at pregnancy itself as a contributing factor. We're giving all of our beautiful nutrients to this baby to help it grow and thrive. And oftentimes we're left empty on the other end. Birth. So, blood loss in birth, if you can imagine that you've got this low iron level throughout pregnancy, which a lot of women do, they experience iron deficiency and then they give birth and lose 500 mils or sometimes a liter of blood. And that's going to contribute to even lower iron levels. Breastfeeding, that places an even more nutrient demand on the body. So, when you're breastfeeding, you require more nutrients going in to then. Be going out again through the breast milk. So, if you're not having sufficient intake through the diet or with supplements, that's going to again deplete your nutrient levels. We know that stress depletes magnesium and B vitamins. So, stress can be both emotional and physical. So, looking at finances, career, you know, a lot of women are worried when am I going to go back to work? Is my job secure? or trying to work even quite soon after birth. So that's emotional stress, relationship stress. And then the physical stress, like sleep deprivation is also up there as well. And then the social factors, which you mentioned. So that lack of a village, that lack of support, a lot of social pressures as well often fall onto the mum. So issues when it comes to babies feeding is always like, what's the mum doing? you know, it's very much putting so much pressure on the maternal figure in the family. So that comes into that stress again is feeling, am I doing the right thing and that constant worry? And then probably another contributing factor to postnatal depletion as well is maternal age. Older women do take longer to recover from major events like childbirth. And also your hormones can be a lot harder to regulate. That comes into it. I guess the hormone element I haven't even mentioned yet, but you do get these massive hormonal drops and fluctuations. And then toxin exposure as well. I'd like to mention exposure to chemicals and heavy metals and pollutants definitely can deplete us of nutrients.
0: It's interesting because, you know, I sit here and hear you rattle off all of those factors. And I think every mum has experienced this, like every every new or pregnant, even you don't even have to have your baby yet to, to recognize these signs. But I also sit here and think, is this, would you say a global issue? Or is this a problem in the West? Because I think of you know, I always go back to the Philippines. My husband's Filipino, and yeah, you know, things are just done differently there. He talks about how women are so respected, and particularly pregnant and new mothers. You know, you're not allowed to leave the house for so many days. Your bed rest and feeding your baby and bonding with your baby are are key elements of. The fresh postpartum days and people feed you and people, people bring you things and you're expected to not lift a finger. And then, you know, here in the West, it's, oh, I'm home from hospital and I might have a visitor here and there. And that's about it. <laughs> so it's like, it's almost like it, it dooms us in a way, because this mentality, you know, we're in a we live in a society now we you don't even know who your neighbors are, generally speaking. Um, whereas, you know, we, we could go back 50 years and you knew who your neighbours were. So, like, things are progressively changing in a more isolating way. So when you think about motherhood and perinatal health, this makes sense to me that this is now probably bigger problem than it ever has been. Would you agree? Totally.
1: Definitely. And I love looking at Eastern traditions, particularly around food, and there's some cultures where the mum does no cooking for months after birth, and there's that whole philosophy of the fourth trimester where she is totally nurtured and looked after and fed and the diets are so rich in proteins and fats and veggies and, and ghee and turmeric and spices and herbs that all support healing and all, and all help to replete nutrients. I think there's this understanding in a lot of those cultures that the mother has just been through so much physically, and it's now the community's job to rebuild her, whereas, mm. yeah, you're right, in our culture it's like, oh, my God, you've got a baby, can I hold it? And the mother <laughs> just gets, like, tossed to the side. Of course not yeah. always, but um, that's very much sort of what it looks like over here. So, yeah, I love looking at the different traditions and cultures, and I think there is more awareness of it now, and we have beautiful businesses like the golden month so it's meal delivery for postpartum mum it doesn't
0: replace the village does it
1: (laughs) it doesn't replace the village no it
0: doesn't I assume a lot of people that hear about postnatal depletion for the first time if they aren't new mothers themselves are mothers but their children are now pretty grown so what and they're probably maybe sitting here listening to this thinking oh oh well I've had babies like this is that time has passed for me, what do you have to say to that? But then also what are the long-term implications of postnatal depletion if left untreated?
1: So it's that feeling of like you never fully recovered and I think a lot of women would be able to relate to that like, oh, before babies, it was like BC, before children, I was one person and now after children, I'm another person. (laughs) So feeling that total shift in your health and the long-term impacts, definitely we're looking at hormonal problems. So when your cycle just never quite returns to normal in terms of maybe premenstrual symptoms, mood changes, period pain, heaviness of the period. We look at the emotional impacts, so long-term mood dysregulation or anxiety. It's very broad and it's very different for everyone so it's hard to say but I kind of in my consults like to do a bit of a timeline. Okay, when did you have your kids? When did these symptoms start? And we try to trace it back and look at potentially the, as I said, the root cause of what's going on. Testing definitely comes into play as well. So I do like to do a lot of nutrient testing for things like iron and B12 and vitamin D and seeing where levels are at because it's... Often is the case that you'll have your pregnancy and your baby and your nutrient levels have been so low
0: that you never fully catch up. So you kind of touched on hormones before. So can you talk about the role hormones play in postnatal depletion?
1: So after birth, we have one of the most amazing but also scary hormonal drops in history your estrogen and progesterone levels go from being so high throughout pregnancy to so low, and that can make you feel really different. So, we've got little receptors in our brains that actually uh, receive hormones or bind to hormones like estrogen and progesterone. You've got the influence of these high hormones on your mental health throughout pregnancy, and then postpartum, those hormones drop away, and your brain is left without. The presence of estrogen and progesterone. So, there's definitely that aspect on mental health that we need to acknowledge. And then we've also got our hormones, like our thyroid hormones. And we see a big rise in things like hypothyroidism post birth. So, that is an underactive thyroid. That's really quite common as well. And I look at that from a nutrient point of view because our thyroid needs specific nutrients to function properly. And if we're nutrient deplete or nutrient insufficient or deficient, that's going to have an impact on our thyroid health. So our nutrient status cascades into our hormonal function as well. It's it's kind of a domino effect. As soon as your minerals get depleted, there's a lot of different organs or glands or or hormones that can go a bit out of whack.
0: It makes sense that it's all linked. And that, you know, one part of your body will affect or influence another part of your body. So being malnourished or dehydrated or depleted impacts not just one specific area, but multiple. Like you're saying, this domino effect. It's like
1: when we're looking at, again, that heavy period, how it can be due to constipation. But what's causing the constipation? Is it dehydration? Is it diet? You know, so there's, a flow and effect from everything if you're not drinking enough water it's going to affect your energy levels and then it's going to affect your gut health and then that's going to affect your periods and you almost need someone to help you peel back the layers or put together the pieces of the puzzle as I like to say it and connect the dots for you so that you can see okay me not drinking water is leading to a b c d um Because when we can really simplify it down to those simple dietary lifestyle supplement changes, you have such a strong cascade throughout your entire health. Um, Just doing the most simple things can make such a huge difference
0: yeah and we live in a busy world where doing those simple things seems so <laughs> difficult <laughs> okay so what can we do then in terms of repairing this depletion firstly can you even repair depletion if you are so severely sleep deprived you know like all of those factors mm-hmm. that you were kind of listing off before mm-hmm. how does that work in terms of repairing it so that about- supporting yourself the best way possible and if you do
1: have those factors like sleep deprivation you need to do even more to try and fill that gap and it's kind of I liked in um the postnatal depletion cure book so it's kind of like postnatal depletion is a bucket of water or your body's resources I should say is a bucket of water and the more of those factors that I mentioned before so pregnancy birth poor food choices sleep deprivation they're putting holes in the bucket and the bucket of water is slowly draining out and doing work on your health in terms of trying to repair your nutrient status is like trying to plug and repair the holes and you're always going to probably have a few holes but the more you can plug and repair the better and the slower that water loss is going to be and eventually you're going to plug up all the holes and your bucket's going to start to refill again.
0: So it is really, like you were saying, the simple little things to help refill. Totally. It might be a
1: nap. It might be taking Mm. your supplements every day. It Mm. might be incorporating some really nutrient-rich foods in your diet like beef liver or your leafy greens or it might be drinking your two litres of water a day. Or it might be going for a walk. It might be doing a meditation or seeing a psychologist. Obviously, from a naturopathic perspective, I like to include all of them. But working with someone to really try and identify the most important ones for you because no one can do everything. So a naturopath will be able to set you some goals and go, okay, this is going to be your priorities for the, the next two weeks is I want you to take your supplements every single day I want you to get 20 minutes of sunshine and I want you to eat X, Y, and Z. So I think that's where having a health practitioner on board can really help you prioritize your treatment plan and what's necessary for you because it does look different for everyone. And based on your level of nutrient depletion, it's going to look totally different. So blood tests will... Highlight that you know you might be deficient in vitamin D and iron, but someone else might be deficient in magnesium and think the treatment plans are going to look totally different.
0: So, I was thinking about it before because what kind of led me down the road of postnatal depletion was hyperemesis gravidarum in both of my pregnancies. I think I was honestly, it, I mean, it makes sense, but I was honestly shocked at how severely malnourished. And dehydrated I was throughout those couple of years, um, so throughout yeah. pregnancy, but then breastfeeding postpartum. And then the second time round then having not one child but two and life just being busier and a bit weirder because of COVID and things as well. But I think about women who maybe struggle with nausea and vomiting in pregnancy and hyperemesis gravidarum. Would you say that they would experience depletion more severely going along this spectrum? And so how important is it for those women then to rebuild and nourish their bodies? Definitely, yes. We
1: see kind of that scale, that spectrum, they are going to be more depleted when they come out the other side because they haven't been able to get the requirements in or the resources in during their pregnancy because they have been so sick. So, again, it's like trying to play catch-up and they just can't, you know, um, trying to get food in can be sometimes impossible. So definitely they're going to come out the other side with nutrient depletion. If they haven't been able to eat or if they've only been able to stomach potato. <laughs> you know, there there's not a lot of nutrient value there and some people can't even keep supplements down.
0: Yeah, there's no way if you've got hyperemesis you're taking a, a prenatal vitamin. <laughs> there's just no, no way. way
1: there's no way and even not with high premises. like there's even some some pregnant women that just can't stomach supplements so it's like okay well you're going to come out the other side deficient or deplete and we need to rebuild and replenish otherwise yeah you're going to start to um, display symptoms of fatigue and mental health changes and thyroid problems and skin issues and hormone issues and everything like that so um yeah they do experience it more severely but then again going back to that preconception if they've prepared really well for pregnancy if they've spent that 3 to 4 months or you know even up to a year building their nutrient stores you know building their iron levels and vitamin D and and zinc if they've been really diligent at that they're going to be better off than someone who who hasn't done that or hasn't had the opportunity to do that so Yeah, going into pregnancy, doing the best you can to prepare so that no matter what happens, you've got the resources there to last you a good couple of months, you're going to come out the other side a lot better.
0: So how far in advance then?
1: Everyone's different. I definitely say minimum of three months, like absolute minimum.
0: If you can give
1: preconception care six months to a year, that would be amazing. Some people do need that year because they do have pre-existing health conditions. So if there is issues with inflammation or hormonal imbalances or gut issues, it does take that extra time to really heal and get them ready for pregnancy, whereas some people are already feeling really healthy and then for three months they are super diligent about, about preparing for pregnancy. So everyone's different, but mi- absolute minimum three months and that's because it does take that three months to influence the DNA and the genet- genetics of um, the egg and
0: sperm. Very interesting because most people I know don't prepare for pregnancy mm. in, in that way, I guess, internally with your internal health. So yeah. I, just for my curiosity, what about twin mums or mums of multiple babies? Do they double their depletion? Like how does it work when you have so many babies is it the same well their requirements are definitely doubled
1: or not exactly doubled but are increased so even requirements for things like folate are increased iron definitely so because you are giving your resources to your baby you almost need double the resources when you're going through a twin pregnancy so yeah if you are pregnant with twins being quite diligent with trying to build your nutrient levels
0: during pregnancy and postpartum. And so you were touching on vitamins and the prenatal vitamins and things that you'd take in pregnancy. And then again, while you're breastfeeding and I really loved about you. So when I was really unwell and I mean, I wasn't taking my vitamins anyway, I had someone mention to me, oh, if you're really unwell, don't take Elevit because that will make you sicker. And I was like, oh, how interesting. And then just through various conversations around what people were taking at the time um, when they were pregnant, They a lot of women were saying, I swear my vitamins make me ill and so I went off them and they were fine. Um, but then also Elevate being the go-to brand, but I've read a couple of things that you've written about it that I would say are evidence-based and it's not necessarily the best vitamin to be taking in pregnancy. Can you maybe talk us through um, these prenatal vitamins and, and vitamins that you'd take postnatally as well and and what we should be looking for and why we should be picking specific brands or types? Yes.
1: <laughs> um. So with Elevit, yeah, you're right. I really don't like Elevit and I'm quite vocal mm, about
0: it. because I noticed. <laughs> <it's amazing. laughs> you're not the only one though. That's what I'm saying. <laughs>
1: Yeah, which is good. Um, So my main issues with Elevit is the type of folate that they're putting in their formulas. So they're using folic acid, which is really cheap. It's very cheap to source, which is one of the main reasons why they put it in there. However, about 30 to 40% of women actually can't metabolise the folic acid, which means it's basically not beneficial for them it's not doing anything for their baby and it puts them at an increased risk of complications as well so Elevit contains folic acid you want to opt for a prenatal or a preconception vitamin that has activated folate so something like folinic acid or calcium folinate and it should say on the label activated folate and you'll know that you're safe with that one another reason why I tend to stay away from Elevit or definitely stay away from Elevit is it does contain iron which when we're looking at iron particularly in the first trimester it can make you more sick so um, it can cause more nausea for some women And also the form of iron that Elevit uses is known to cause constipation and digestive upset and nausea. So generally trying to avoid ferrous fumarate, which is the type of iron that they have in Elevit. If you do need iron in the first trimester, I recommend supplementing it separately and using a really good quality iron supplement that doesn't cause those digestive issues or constipation. So iron glycinate is a really good option for that and you can get um, great ones from health food stores or pharmacies. Third problem with Elevit is that it doesn't contain a nutrient called choline and choline is something that um, is now very well researched and is known to support the development of the spinal cord and brain and choline we're now sort of looking at being as important as folate like it is essential in pregnancy and Elevit contains none of it the best source of choline just so people know in food is eggs so egg yolk contains really high amounts of choline probably the third problem with Elevit would be the dose of vitamin D is very very small Um, it's only about 200 IU. Per dose, um, which is basically nothing, and for pregnancy, you need up to two thousand IU a day. So two hundred IU isn't even touching the sides. So yeah, there's definitely maybe I can mention one more while I'm on a roll.
0: (laughs) Sure thing. I was just about to say just a few things. (laughs) Well, I think it's really
1: important for women to know because if they do get asked by their healthcare practitioner, like why aren't you taking Elevit? I've told you to. They can say no. I've chosen a different option because I've you know, X, Y, and Z. And I think education is really important. The last thing I'll mention is Elevit contains copper which naturally rises in pregnancy. So for most women they do not need an excess of copper or or to supplement it during pregnancy because we already our copper levels already rise so much and having an excess of copper can make you feel really nauseous and sick. It also will reduce your zinc levels as well. The formulation isn't exactly ideal and it really disappoints me that it's the number one supplement recommended by healthcare practitioners because we now know so much better. We know that we can support women so, so, so much better throughout their pregnancies and we can make them feel so much better by picking the right supplement. And as you mentioned before, taking a supplement that perhaps isn't um, as well formulated can actually make you feel really crap and really nauseous. So, yeah. My recommendations for preconception multis or prenatal supplements, I love the brand Natro Best, and that's not a practitioner-only supplement. So you can purchase it yourself from a pharmacy or a health food store or online. So it's really accessible. And then there's a lot of practitioner-only brands which you can get through your naturopath and then, as I mentioned before, trying to get an individualised approach is obviously ideal, and getting thorough testing done prior to conceiving just to make sure that you aren't already deficient in nutrients and giving yourself time to allow those nutrients to be topped up prior to then conceiving
0: so that you're not playing catch up. And so what about then postnatally? So in postpartum are we are we supposed to be taking vitamins or what's what happens then? Definitely. I recommend your multi, your, your
1: pregnancy multi be taken for at least 12 weeks postpartum. But I often have people on supplements for a lot longer than that. It kind of tends to then get a little bit more individualized um, when we're looking at the postpartum. So if there's particular issues that are arising, I'm more so going with specific supplements. But for the general person, they at home listening keep going with your multi for at least 12 weeks after you've had your baby
0: so a lot of people think that you take these vitamins for your baby mm. this is not true right because in my mind it was you take it for you <laughs> It's like oh no if you're not taking your vitamin your baby will have this problem or this problem and this is kind of the conversation around these vitamins
1: yeah yeah and I love that the conversation is more shifting to maternal health now rather than for your baby because it's like well what about me like I feel like uh, (laughs) and and you're the one that has to look after the baby so we want mums to be feeling really great so you're taking the the multi or the vitamins for both you and the baby and it's making sure that you're ticking all your boxes for the baby's requirements and making sure that you're getting sufficient folate and calcium and magnesium and everything. But it's ensuring that you're also getting your intake because your requirements for these nutrients go up so much during pregnancy. It's so hard to hit that target just with diet. Yeah. Preconception and pregnancy multis are really, really great, not only for the baby but for you and making sure that you're not coming out of the other end of pregnancy feeling depleted.
0: this makes so much sense to me and I have, I've learned so much. Like I didn't think I knew everything about depletion, like, come on, Emily, but (laughs) I thought I knew quite a bit, but this conversation has been, yeah, I've had lots of epiphanies and I've been thinking about my own experience and applying it to that Mm. and what I didn't do or what I couldn't do and yeah, and Mm. what's happened on the other end of that. So it's very interesting. That's what I want to emphasize is like, it's it compounds.
1: So after your first baby, you're like, okay, I feel different, not that great, but not too bad. And then you go through your second, and you're left even emptier. And then you go through your third, and it's just this bucket slowly gets empty and empty and emptier. So
0: I honestly can't tell you how much of an impact nutrient depletion had mm-hmm. on me postpartum. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, maybe things would have been a little bit better without the HG. But it definitely played a role. And one thing I did want to touch on with you was in regards to our stress hormones, so our adrenals and things. This is something that you talk about with me quite often because your body really does go through a state of stress while pregnant and birth and then, again, postpartum and feeding and sleep deprivation and all of those things. And you kind of did touch on it in your factors before. But... The long-term effect of having this kind of stress on you and having babies close together and, um, you know, depending on your pregnancies and things like that too, and maybe not being prepared for depletion or not trying to top up yourself, the long-term effects can be really awful, and mm. it can take it can take a long time, and I'm not gonna say I'm a normal mm. person where I was just kind of like going with the flow. I was like, no, this needs to be fixed now. <laughs> and so I was doing so many things to try and fix mm. that. But if I yeah. had have had that knowledge prior, I mean, I didn't know I was going to get hyperemesis. so but if I had have known better, and I think this is the thing, it's like when we know better, we do better. So if totally. if this is the conversation, um, in preconception and in pregnancy and then again postpartum in amongst our checkups and uh, even just checking in with each other um you know what are you doing about your depletion this should really be a conversation so I wanted to ask mm-hmm. you as a naturopath and all of the knowledge that you have about perinatal health what would postpartum look like for you oh
1: see mm-hmm. I don't have children so I I can speak from a place of not experiencing that. But I have obviously massive dreams for what my um, pregnancy and and postpartum phase would look like because I am just so passionate about it. But postpartum, um, definitely taking that time to just completely surrender and be Looked after. I, I think that's everyone woman's dream: is to not have to rush back into normal life and to feel completely cared for and nourished, and having that village around you as well. Obviously, the, we have to be re- realistic. You've been through such a journey with your pregnancy and your birth, and everyone experiences those two things very, very differently. And depending on your journey, you're going to feel different physical and emotional changes but just being able to surrender to that and go okay this is where I'm at now and I think the main the main point is just to be cared for and given that time I would hate to feel rushed back into things I think that would really feel like I'm not going to heal and not going to completely to not have time to heal would I think upset a lot of women um, and just contribute to that that feeling of never fully recovering. And I talked to my mum who has inspired me a lot in terms of wanting to move into the fertility and and postpartum arenas. You know, she still talks about the birth of me and my brother 20-something years later. You know, she still dwells on it and she still has these traumas that she talks about. And that never, it's like she never fully was able to process that and recover from it and heal from it because she just wasn't given the chance. And so I just wish so much that that wasn't the case for so many women. I wish they were given the opportunity to completely move through what they need to and completely heal. And yet that looks different for everyone, I guess.
0: Do you have any helpful tips and practices that are really easy for maybe pregnant or new mums? to listen to our bodies better so that we can be on top of depletion. You've talked about kind of preconception, but are there any practices that we can be doing? I mean, you, know, I, I think of maybe getting that 20 minutes of sunshine in a day. Um, are there any anything else?
1: Yeah, resting as much as you can obviously is a big one. So hard to do sometimes. 20 minutes of sunshine a day gentle movement avoid high intensity exercise at all costs
0: as you know it I can testify to that (laughs) but it is there there is this really toxic mindset of okay I've just had the baby like generally people hit their six weeks and are given the okay to go back to exercise and uh or even at the three-month mark um go back to exercise and it's always cardio high intensity Because, oh, that's what's going to rip the fat off and that's what's going to make me externally look a certain way. I have to fit back into the body I once had. But it's like, actually, that is hurting you. That mentality is hurting you and hurting other women because it then becomes the standard. Um, So, yes, I really love that you've said that. (laughs)
1: Yeah. So avoiding high-intensity exercise and doing more gentle stuff. So walking and yoga is beautiful so that's a way you can listen to your body if your brain is going, oh i need to go to the gym i need to go to f45 but your body is dreading it listen to your body picking sleep over exercise every Mm. day so if it's between waking up early and going to the gym or getting an extra hour of sleep do the sleep when it really comes down to it sleep deprivation is yeah, is, is very terrible, um, but it throws off your hormones. It throws off your appetite hormones, regulating hormones. So, yeah, lots of rest, not too intense exercise, vitamin D, connecting with nature as well helps to really tune us into the body. So trying to get outside as much as you can. And then with food, trying to do the best you can with what you have. So um, as natural as possible is always my philosophy. So picking as least processed food that you, you have access to and going for that because your body is going to recognize and love that so much better than something that's been packaged and processed. So just trying to pick a handful of nuts and a piece of fruit instead of a muesli bar. Have the smoothie instead of the juice, you know, keep the fiber. Simple little things like that can really help you tune into your body.
0: I have loved this Lucy. Thank you so much for coming on. It has been I like I said I've been having these epiphanies. Thank you for your time. I appreciate it and I'm sure our listeners will appreciate this and again, I really hope that this does continue to be a conversation around preconception, pregnancy, birth and postpartum. All four of those elements depletion plays yeah. a role. So thank yeah,
1: you absolutely no thank you so much for having me
0: you can find lucy through her website lucyfitzgibbons.com or on her instagram at lucyfitz.naturopath for all things women's health and consultations and she even offers zoom sessions so you can get the support you need no matter where you are i also recommend getting your hands on the book the postnatal depletion cure by dr oscar seralak Thank you so much for listening. We hope you enjoyed this episode. If you're listening and would like to share your story with us or feel compelled to talk about issues surrounding women's health, please don't hesitate to reach out. We would love to hear from you. You can find us at The Power of Birth on Instagram and Facebook or on our website, thepowerofbirth.net. If you loved this episode, we would love it if you left us a review on whatever podcast platform you're listening on and share us with your family and friends. The conversation has to start somewhere. Thank you again for listening, and we hope you join us in the next episode you